0: Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA.
1: Brian Radio listeners and welcome to the inaugural episode of Sports Talk, your fortnightly show detailing all the best of Bryanston and global sport. I'm your presenter, Classics Teacher Dr Pullen and in this show our team of pundits and I intend to cover everything from the tactics of the Bryanston under 14b netball team to discussion of the big sporting issues of the day and we want you, our listeners, to get involved. You can do this throughout the show by texting us on 66677 or even calling in on 033355255 To kick off this brand new series, we have a jam-packed show. Our Bride Sport-related focus for the week is football and netball. And to that end, we have a punchy interview with Bryanston football pioneer and First Eleven coach Mr. Sangrajka, reviews and soundbites from all the best football action and the Bry- of the Bryanston playing fields from the last week. Netball-wise, we have a round-up of all the action from last week, an interview with our fantastic new Netball uh, resident, Miss Evans, and a focus on the under-14 A's. But that's not all, folks. In the second half of the show, we will broaden our perspective and discuss some of the big sporting events and issues of the week, featuring a review of yesterday's eventful transfer deadline day, a look at what's going on in the world of cricket, and for all you rugby lovers, a comprehensive preview of the Six Nations Championship, which starts this weekend. But that's enough from me. Let me introduce you to our wonderful first team of pundits for this inaugural episode. On my right here, I have fellow Shaftesbury and Ben, Mr. Ben Wills. So, uh, Ben, do you want to just introduce us to yourself and some of your sporting interests?
2: Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Ben. I'm in Shaftesbury with Dr. Pullen. Um, uh, I love playing a bit of hockey. I play first team hockey for the school. And I, I love football, not that great at it, but I, 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 I like to talk about it, like to talk about it. So today,
1: Ben is hopefully going to be taking the lead on our chat about the frills and spills of transfer deadline day um, from yesterday. And on my left, I have our producer and hopefully part-time football pundit, Mr. Sharon. Good evening, everyone. It's a pre- pleasure to be with you. Nice to hear from you, Mr. Sharon. So to kick off your, our show, we're going to start with what I hope will be a fortnightly uh, a feature, which is Match of the Week. And this is a Bryanson Match of the Week, of course. And who else could it be after a stonking 5-1 win uh, against Sherborne on Saturday, but the Bryanston first 11 football uh, there were in this game, some uh, two goals for Tom Johnson, one for Ahmed Shehu and one for Captain Phil Neal to turn around the horrors of their defeat uh, to local Derby rivals Camford uh, on the Saturday previously. And we're going to go straight in with a punchy interview from their coach, Mr Akshay uh, Sangrajka, who has some great words to say on their team and football on Bryanston. Generally. So, Mr. Sangrajka, thank you very much for joining me here in the cafe to talk a little bit about Bryanston football. You're welcome. I just wanted to kick off um, with you as something of a pioneer of Bryanston football. How, what, what would be your comments on its move from the fringes of the Bryanston sporting sort of uh, setup right into the middle of things uh, for this spring term?
0: It was um, both inevitable and a no brainer. Uh, Inevitable because the popularity of football worldwide, it is the world sport, uh, is reflected in the popularity of it among the boys. Mm -hmm. What is the one sport that in their free time Mm -hmm. they will go and play football? So it's a no-brainer for that reason as well because if we are not leveraging their interest in this such that... They go and play it in their free time and we coach it to them then what are we doing as a sport if we're not giving them what they want what are we what is this all for? so it's, it was enough you know.
1: as much as I love many other sports that take place in this term I can support that statement about uh, its popularity you know you as on duty on Sunday for example, all the boys want to do is head down to the pitches and take penalties or whatever so why not, why not bring it? As a proper core sport for the spring term, also the, any snobbery
0: between sports is, in my view, stupid. Yeah, sport is just a game, yeah. it's just for fun. Yeah, so football is not better than any other sport, it's not better than hockey, it's not better than rugby. Yeah, it's just what our, our boys want to do, or many of our boys. Yeah, so we should offer that. Yeah, them our choice. Mm-hmm. And, and
1: equally, I you know, you, you've, you've been a big, uh, a big fan of women's football as well and its development at Bryanston. How do you feel about that becoming more of a core cool sport this term as well?
0: Yeah, girls, um, the boys won't like me saying this, but girls football, in my experience over the previous years, I'm not coaching it this year, mm-hmm. um, was very, very good um, and possibly in some ways better than boys football. Mm-hmm. Here's why because they came to the school relatively new, um, which means that, A, they are full of enthusiasm to learn a new skill, but also they haven't been tainted by FIFA. So my experience is that the first week of boys' football is getting them not to press triangle on the ball and play a perfectly weighted through ball, which of course is never perfectly weighted when we play it. Um, And and the girls just don't have that. So so you can coach them from scratch without these negative habits already having crept in.
1: Well I mean you say that but I think we've already seen some quite drastic uh, improvement uh, with your own team because uh, I watched a a rather it must be said sort of rustic performance by the first 11 on the first Saturday of term uh, against some tough Camford opposition to be fair but um, what a transformation within five days or whatever a fantastic win against Sherbourne. Uh, Tell me what were the the sort of building blocks of that transformation in such a short uh, turnaround?
0: So, um, the, the key is purely mental. It's what's in the boys' heads rather than what goes on with their feet. They're great footballers, and they always will be, um, and, that, and they will be for every game, but their mental attitude, their mental state changed rapidly from the first game to the second game. Um, and it's acting slightly more professionally, not sliding in for, for tackles, not being
1: schoolboy
0: in some ways, yeah. but learning to act like men rather than boys yeah. in the way that they play. Yeah. That was that was the key to the transformation.
1: So for those of us who weren't at this game, uh, it was an away, away match at Sherbourne, right? It was an
0: away match at Sherbourne. Sherbourne has a huge history of football. It's played yeah. football for yeah. many, many years, all yeah. through the school. It has professional coaches. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they they were always going to be... The toughest in the local area, and, to play.
1: and you were playing their first eleven. We were playing their
0: first eleven.
1: There you go. Settle any, any naysayers who might be saying, "Well, they played one down a level." What were the sort of highlights of the of the game? Any um, standout performances? Yes. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So Ahmed has he was he was my man of the match. He normally has a boot that actively repels the goal, so <laughs> um, anywhere but the net. Uh, but he managed to get his first goal of the term. So that was fantastic. And he's really found his feet um, and is playing wonderfully at the wing. Uh, Tom Johnson is on his fourth goal out of two games. He's incredibly quick, incredibly tenacious, incredibly annoying to the opposition defenders. Mm. Um, And so it's it's those scrappy goals that other people would have given up on, but Tom chases down a ball and and converts it into a goal where really
1: there didn't seem to be one. It's interesting you mentioned Tom Johnson because he's... He's someone to, to mention in the, in the context of this transition between sports. You know, as an all-round athlete, mm. he shows that actually if you have the skills, the requisite skills to be a good hockey player or a good rugby player, there is quite a strong degree that can be transferred huge, across. Huge, overlap. Yeah.
0: huge yeah. overlap, huge yeah. overlap. That's yeah. why the distinction between sport isn't really a thing. It's athleticism, yeah. it's yeah. athletic ability, it's sporting ability. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then the last person you'd have to mention, of course, is Phil Neal, who's our captain, um, who is outstanding in just about every respect um, and can control a midfield um, and floats the ball through opposition when he dribbles. Oh. Um, he's brilliant.
1: Sounds Perlow-esque, perhaps. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> old school. Was... old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, 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 so would you mention any more names in the context of the team moving forward as players to watch out for? Or are those your sort of stand out for? Any those,
0: those three are, of course, stand out. I've been really impressed by Tom Pike in mm. defence and um, Logan in goal. Yeah. It's fearless. Can, can kick the ball miles. You know how Edison sets yeah. for Man City yeah. sets up yeah. goals with yeah. his, with a free kick or whatever, um, just from the box. Um, it's such Logan a can do that
1: for for schoolboy football. I feel it's such a key having you know a decent all round athlete in goal, not yeah. someone who's just going to leak. Cool afternoon. No, basically.
0: no, we can we we trust yeah. and rely on yeah. him, and yeah. so there's no fear yeah. that if the ball gets past you, yeah. there'll be an easy goal. He's totally yeah. reliable, but also great in attack, which yeah. you can't say about many goalies—that yeah. they're yeah. a, a real attacking force. But yeah. you can say about him.
1: So, final sort of question, uh, Mr. sangrajka What are sort of uh, what are some realistic expectations for this team for the rest of the season? I mean, are we are we looking at a uh, potential? Overall,ly positive in terms of results, or well, look, I
0: know the school may or may not be moving towards a more results focused yeah. uh, atmosphere, and yeah. are we winning and all of that. I don't care. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I have. What I really like to see is our boys playing their best football, and more importantly, as um, as individuals with personalities and characters, uh, with determination, with grit, with helping each other, supporting each other. That's all I care about. I, do, I don't really care what I care.
1: Well, thank you very much for those wise words, uh, Mr Sangrajka, pioneer of Bryanston football and current First eleven coach. You're welcome. You. Best of luck for the See rest you. of the season. See you later. Mm-hmm. So a typically uh, wise and punchy interview from my uh, ca- classics colleague, uh, Mr. Sangrajka. So uh, happily, we're joined by uh, Ben on my right here, uh, who himself is a sort of, has a bit of split loyalty between
2: hockey and football.
1: Um, how's that felt for you this term, uh, Ben? Um,
2: So uh, you know, when they announced that hockey wasn't going to be a cool sport, all our fixtures were cancelled, you know, it's my final year, year where I was... Going to play first team the whole season, you know, I was very excited. You know, when that happened, I I was very, I was, I was upset and I didn't really understand the decision. Um, Thankfully, I know some football people might not be as happy, but they, I think they're both cool sports this term. Mm -hmm. Um, So we got our fixtures back. Mm -hmm. uh, May that be a lot less because then, you know, timetables were booked and stuff. But Mm -hmm. um, no, I I think in a couple of years, definitely football will be the main sport of Bryanston. It's definitely the most popular I nearly didn't come here because we didn't do football. I mean, uh, that was honestly, I thought about that. Uh, but the, the amount of talent that we have in hockey at this school, I mean, the there are in each year, there are at least, between boys and girls, five, five or so hockey scholars. I mean, mm. yeah, the talent is unreal. It, it always has been. I know sometimes the results don't show that, but I, it, it really is like top, top, top notch.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the main thing, isn't it? Allowing the two sports to coexist happily and, you know... As long as we're all flexible about these sort of things, there's no reason why uh, hockey and football can't flourish side by side. So speaking of football, so just having a think about some of the other uh, games this week. Another fantastic result on Thursday for the school was the under-15A football carrying on their unbeaten season, uh, beating uh, uh, again uh, Sherborne in an absolute thrilling match. 7-5 uh, um, and I happened to be at this game uh, and witness um, some amazing football played by people like Lamar uh, A and uh, Jack O um, and actually after the game uh, I caught up with uh, the hat-trick hero of the match Jack uh, and one of the best of the defenders uh, Barney M and we're just gonna play you uh, what they fed back to me about the game after the game. I'm thankful to uh, uh, Barney Mountpass and the hero who scored four goals, Jack Owen, who are ha- thankfully uh, catching up with me this evening, uh, reflecting on their 7-4 win for the Bryanston under-15A football team against Sherbourne. I'm going to start with a quick question at Jack. Uh, what do you make of the team performance today, Mr Owen? I think it was good. I
2: think Ted played well, Chris played well and also Barney in the defence. I think it was a good game.
1: Yeah, so he's reflecting there on uh, Chris Stanley, who played on the wing and gave some great balls, some great service to my, the man here. Uh, we had Ted Coombs in the second half, kept them in the game, uh, and Barney Malpass, who put a, a good shift at centre-back. Uh, Barney, what did you make of uh, your attacking players today, Lamar and Jack? Yeah, no,
3: Lamar very good, helped us out on defence quite a lot, got the ball up there, then Jack finished it off.
1: Fantastic, fantastic, and Jack, how many how many goals are you going to be looking to score in total this season? That's another four to add on to an already quite impressive tally. Well, hopefully, like two goals, maybe more every game. Fantastic, that'll be a, that'll be a great ratio up there with the best. And boys, what do you reckon the chances are at this stage of you guys securing an unbeaten season? I reckon it's looking pretty positive so far. Looking pretty positive so far. You heard it here, heard it here first in the first season of football as a core spring spring sport are under 15 a's are going for an unbeaten year uh, i'm sure we'll be supporting them all the way they've got a big uh, big game against um uh, against uh, qe's is it on uh, next saturday who i hear beat uh, Beat Sherbourne 10-2, but I'm sure they'll be up to the challenge with a bit of work tidying up the back because they've got so much so many options going forward. Right, boys, uh, best of luck. Have a great exat, and, and good luck with the rest of the season. And after the game, I also caught up with their triumphant triumphant coach uh, with two wins out of two, Mr Andy Bray. Right, so I'm here after an excellent win for the uh, under-15A football team, a 7-5 win uh, against uh, Sherbourne. Um, an excellent all-round team performance, uh, four goals for Jack Owen, who was undeniably man of the match. I've got their coach here, uh, Mr Andy Bray. Any thoughts, on initial thoughts on the game, sir? Uh, yeah, I was very pleased with the boys. Um, obviously, we went one goal down. Um, they were quite a big physical side. Mm. Uh, our boys then started passing the ball around, mm. and through Lamar and uh, Jack Owens was a hand up front uh, all game. They worked really, really hard. Really close game. Credit to both sides. We played in the right spirit. Five all with uh, eight minutes to go and then we managed to score two late goals um, to win it, which is a fantastic result. Yeah, so looking at the fixtures ahead, you've got a big game against QE coming up. Where would you look for points of improvement from the boys in advance of that? Yeah, I think there's two areas for improvement. One's um, probably uh, heading the ball, especially in the back. We let the ball bounce too much, which is where their goals came from. And I think uh, out wide, we need to be a bit stronger in the tackle and with the ball. Um, But loads of stuff to work on, uh, loads of positives. uh, So we go again and hopefully keep our uh, win rates up. Well, thank you for that, Mr Bray. I'm sure we'll all carry on supporting the under-15s as they look, hopefully, towards an unbeaten season. Two big wins, you can only dream. Let's hope so. Thank you very much, sir. So uh, that round, that's the those are the headlines for our football. Another fixture probably worth mentioning was a fantastic two-all draw uh, for the third eleven, uh, which was. Uh, surprisingly somewhat decided by their ref uh, on penalties and I think Mr Carter and Mr Calver are claiming that as a win. Uh, Goals there I believe for Freddie Rogers and assist for Will Arnold. Uh, Some tough games for the under 14s I think both uh, sort of narrow losses but all in all a fairly positive week on football. Uh, Right, so that concludes our football section. We're going to play a quick song, and when we get back, we're going to have the fantastic Miss Evans talking about her mighty under-14A netball team.
4: Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle. I say white, say I say I bite, I say shark, I say him and yours was never my scene, and I don't like Star Wars. say Rose, I say Royce, say God, give me a, a choice, I say Lord, I say Christ, I. Wait! <laughs>
1: Radio. The time is eight thirty-five, and this is the inaugural uh, episode of Sports Talk. I'm your presenter, Dr. Ben Pullen. I am accompanied now by uh, Miss Evans, our fantastic new uh, netball resident um for this academic year so miss evans welcome to the show hi
3: ben thank you for having me it's lovely to be here
1: nice to have you too is this your first time on radio have you done a bit of this before
3: yeah i know my first time never done anything like this before so it's quite exciting
1: okay well hopefully we're talking about a topic that is uh something you have something to say about so what are your early impressions of, of netball at the school
3: so I'm glad it's finally netball season. Obviously, being a sport resident, I did very little last time, so it's finally nice to get into some fixtures and match play. But really, really good so far. I've been put with the 14A age group and the year, and the D year group is really, really good, really strong. We've got a lot of depth throughout the A's and the B's, which means it's really good to have kind of um, competition between each team. So it's, it's given us a really strong ability and it, it's promising for the future to have such strong talent in that D year group
1: already. Well, that's great to uh, great to hear. What have we had so far for the season uh, for those fourteen days? Has it been two fixtures or more? Uh, than we've that?
3: had three fixtures so three far. Three fixtures. Yeah.
1: Do you, do, what 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 have we had so far? Wins, losses.
3: Uh, so we are unbeaten so far this t- this season. So um, early on, Ooh. we had a big, strong start against Claysmore with a win. Uh, we then faced a draw against Kingswood, twenty-two all, and then we came away with a win against Parkstone on Saturday.
1: Well, fantastic! I reckon we have one of your players, your captain Mimer, talking uh, about that game against Parkstone. Let's see what let's hear what Mimer had to say when, in conversation with Miss Evans about that game last uh, Thursday.
3: So, how was the game on Thursday against Parkstone? Um, the first quarter, we were we got in the lead, nine-three, and then the other three quarters were really close but we managed
5: to come away with the win.
3: So um, who do you think was your star player from the game against um, Paxson?
5: I think Clemmy shot really well in both the A's and the B's and so did Georgie. Uh, I think Elsa played really well and it was really handy having her on the edge of the D.
3: So big full team performance. Yeah Lovely. Very, very good. Thank you Moma. <laughs>
1: We also have, I believe, confusingly, Jemima uh, from the same team uh, with her views on the match and the the under-14A netball season going forward.
3: So, Jemima, how do you think the season's gone so far? It's gone really well. We started off with a great start for our under-14A team. We haven't lost any matches yet. We had a close draw against... I
2: can't remember the name. Kingswood.
3: Against Kingswood. Um but we drew, which was really good and yeah. Good, so um, how are you feeling about the Canford game on Saturday, obviously big rivals? Um, I think as a team, we're quite nervous (laughs) to play them because they're obviously like Canford, (laughs) Um, but I'm sure we will play well and hopefully come out with another win to tick the
2: box for the wins again.
1: Oh, fair play to those girls for coming on radio uh, and talking about their sporting success. So, Miss Evans... uh Is this your first experience this Saturday of the big derby?
3: Yes, I am looking forward to it. We have played Canva previously in a tournament, but this will be our first proper fixture against the teams. I'm very excited.
1: And looking through uh, the fantastic website, uh, which I'm not going to mention, which is named after an item of clothing and is uh, (laughs) an abbreviation of something. uh, You have across the board, Netboy, it's a big day of fixtures. I'm counting probably 20 odd fixtures um can you give me an idea from from your observations what other players throughout the year group should we be looking out for netball wise
3: um so across the year groups within our senior team we've got kind of um finn Seal, who's been a really strong player this year obviously evie um who was recently just um i think she desiccated a knee in the previous game which means she'll be out for the rest of the season but she was a big name and captain of the seniors Moving down, we've got people like Fran in um, the under 16 A's, who's a really, really strong shooter. We've got Izzy Patel um, in the under 15 A's, which is a really strong character for the for the team. But obviously, I'm not being biased. We have multiple in the under 14 A's who are strong players. So for me, this team so far, we've had Mima, Jemima, the other Jemima. We've got three Jemimas in our team altogether, so not too confusing for me. And then our defence at the backs so we've had Freya and Ollie, who have been really, really strong. So, you know, all around for me, but 14 days uh, are on top for me.
1: And you also have, and I'm going to give a shout out to some of my D3 Latinists here, uh, the mighty Poppy and Georgie in the team as well.
3: Yes, definitely. They're probably the two of our tallest players in the team and have been really, really good and strong so far. So, you know, well, I'll let you have that. <laughs> well, it's
1: fantastic to hear about uh, such uh, the young, uh, you know, such talent coming through the school. I think it's exciting. Uh, All the old, more senior netball coaches must be excited to have a a, a strong year group coming up for the school. Right, Miss Evans, thank you very much uh, for talking to us about uh, Bryanston netball, um, previewing what should be a really exciting season for not only the under-14s, but uh, above and beyond as well. We're going to cut into a quick song now, and when we get back, we are going to have Mr Hugh Fraser uh, and Mr Ben W back on the show and talking about... More worldly, uh, broadly, uh, broad world sporting issues, let's call it that. Um, so uh, I'll see you in a couple of minutes or so. <laughs> the fear of So welcome to our world sports section and i'm joined again by ben w uh mr sharon and just into the studio who hugh f who i'll introduce properly uh, in a second because i'm not sure he's going to have that much to say uh, uh on football uh and i'm going to turn to ben here and talk a little bit about uh the big event yesterday which was transfer deadline day now um a big event happening at the school equally. I wasn't able to pay that much attention to this, but what I did see, I believe uh, Everton have spent quite big. I believe Newcastle have spent quite big. I believe uh, uh, Aubameyang's off somewhere. Ben, yeah. take it away. Tell us what, what are the what are the big headline deals uh, from transfer deadline day. Thank
2: you, Doctor Pullen. Thank you. Um, so obviously Newcastle, their new owners, uh, the Saudi government. Well, can't call it that. It's like the Saudi business of affairs or something. Um, I mean, they've got 320 billion in the bank, so they've got a lot of money to spend. And this transfer window, they spent 180 million pounds. Can they save themselves from the transfer window? No, from the relegation. <laughs> <laughs> Can they save themselves? Because right now they're sitting at uh, bottom, third bottom in the league. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So they spent, uh, their first pair they signed was Bruno Guimarães, Bra- he's Brazilian, from Lyon in Liga. Uh, that was thirty-seven point eight nine million pounds, and then they signed Chris Wood, uh, the Australian striker from Burnley, for twenty-seven million pounds. Um,
1: that seems an awful lot of money for a journeyman
2: Premier League striker. Oh, well, I, I, I know. I that uh, the going uh, rate at uh, the moment? Well, I mean, Chris—he's a good—he's—he's he's decent. I mean, he's not insane. He's all right. He's very, you know, base level. Base level. I, it's an upgrade. Some people say, um, but. They also secured Joe Willock. He's consolidated his move <laughs> to Arsenal. Uh, he was on loan there last season, from from Arsenal to Newcastle, uh, and that's twenty six million pounds. Uh, they've got Kieran Trippier's back in the Premier League, as so, a lot of English fans would be very happy to hear, uh, from Atletico Madrid mm-hmm. uh, for thirteen million. How much game time has he actually had at Atletico <sighs> Madrid? Uh? I, yeah. he's ha- he's had quite he's had a fair he's had a fair amount not not as much I'd say as he did in his prime day de- well some of us say his prime day de- you never this could be his prime days now I mean he's he's 31 mm-hmm. so he is coming to nearing to the end of his career but mm-hmm. you know I hopefully you see some good things from him mm-hmm. um, and then getting onto the defence uh, I mean Trippier is a defender but he's a right back they have signed which was quite I, I thought it was quite controversial because I knew they wanted they needed a new centre back Um James Tuss- Sarkovsky, mm-hmm. who plays for Burnley, was mm-hmm. one of the big names that everyone thought he was going to sign. He didn't. They went for Dan Byrne, who is a uh, left-back... Uh, from Brighton. From Brighton. A uh, six-foot-seven machine. Yeah. Um, uh, that was a deal that was £13.5 million pound fee was as paid. As
1: a Brighton fan, I, 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 as much as I love Dan Byrne, I'm quite happy about those numbers, to be
2: honest. Uh, it's, it's It'll be very good for the club. I, I think you'll do some good stuff in the summer with that money. Um, but, you know, he's 29... English proper. I mean, he's uh, he's a proper footballer. Like he, he does, he plays Brexit ball, as yeah. as people like to call I it.
1: Like that, old uh, school lumpit football.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then for a left back, they went for Matt Target, who uh, I, I think he's a brilliant left-back. He's got speed, he's technical on the ball, he, he knows what he's doing on the football pitch. That's from Aston Villa, yeah. um, and that's a loan transfer deal. So if they see what they like, a fee of around fifteen million pounds is expected. Uh, but obviously, if he performs very well there this season, that that fee could go up. But the big question is, can Eddie Howe save them from relegation? I mean, that.
1: Well, do you want to give us your your prediction for that?
2: With the, I mean, with the upgrades, 180 million pounds. Yeah. If they, I, I think, I think it's like easy. Like if they don't win more games than they lose from now on. I, I I don't even know what to say. and the talent Kieran Trippier mm. isn't going to play in the championship. Mm-hmm. none mm-hmm. none of these players are. Mm. I I mean they I, they
1: Yeah. The one thing I would say about that who would you say is the biggest name out of that lot Trippier?
2: <sighs> I think from an English fan Trippier I mean everyone loves him. Um yeah. but I the biggest name is Bruno Guimarães. No, from Guimara. Liga. Right. He I think he had the second best uh like passes leading to goals uh very good defensive. He is a defensive midfield, but he, very, uh, lots of big clubs were looking for him this summer. Yeah, so,
1: I'm, just, you know, I'm just looking back to the Man City takeover, and I seem to remember one of the first signings they got was Carlos Tevez or something yeah. like that. Is there, I'm surprised Newcastle, I thought with all that money being pumped in, they might get one big name.
2: Uh, a huge name. A hu- I, I, I just think the situation they're in, no huge names want, want to go there. I uh, know yeah. n- none of the the massive names of football. Yeah. Uh, next season, I think definitely uh, uh, they I, they are going to be the next massive club yeah. in the world, world football.
1: Okay. Um, well, well, they've got all the pedigree, haven't they? I mean, it's high it's, time. It's in their hands now. I mean, the, the Geordie powerhouse of football yes, ca- came yeah. back. Ca- came back. I mean, they've been in the doldrums <laughs> for a long time, and I guess Mike Ashley and Sports Direct probably have something to say about that. Uh,
2: probably, probably, yeah, something, definitely, definitely, something to answer yeah. For? Um right moving on the next next club that they didn't spend the second most but I say it's probably been in my opinion I think they've done Everton have done incredibly well uh new appointment Frank Lampard mm-hmm. obviously coming off not the best time at Chelsea yeah. I mean that was his first managerial yeah. job yeah. he didn't expect to get it uh he got it yeah. uh I I love the man I think he's he's the biggest legend of Chelsea I'm not a Chelsea supporter but mm-hmm. I think I think he's incredible footballer Mm-hmm. He tactically very good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as he came in, <clears throat> the first person he went for, another London team, uh, well, a rival to Chelsea. He They went for Delhi Alley from Tottenham for a tree, free transfer. I mean, when he first started playing football a couple of years ago, when he came from MK, MK Dons to Tottenham, he was the next big teenager in football. I mean, in English football. Everyone thought he was going to be, and he played very well. But then... I didn't put the effort in on the field and off the field didn't have the right attitude things fell off for him a bit but I think that's a, a very good signing I think he could if he comes back into good form I think he do, could do a lot well absolutely I mean
1: you say I mean, I mean he was in his early career right or not that long ago he was being likened to his new manager Frank Lampard right as a as a goal scoring attacking midfielder
2: yeah which he was at one point but definitely not not now no um, and I don't
1: know I seem to remember Mourinho and him
2: maybe didn't see eye to eye. No 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 they didn't. I mean I think a lot of players probably don't see eye to eye with Mourinho. Very bold character. Mm-hmm. Um another signing Everton made, um a Ukrainian which I I actually I had to, I didn't realize this I didn't know this this had happened and I was looking up earlier and I saw it. Uh vitally Mykolenko. Um 22 year old, Ukrainian. Um He's played a lot. I, I, I saw him in the Euros. That's I, he, he's a left back um, from Dynamo Kiev. And <clears throat> a fee of £21.5 million, pounds, which is a lot. I mean, especially for someone who plays for Dynamo Kiev in the Ukrainian league. I, I think that's one of the biggest yeah. fees paid to a club from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, not exactly a household name. It has to be said.
2: No, 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 no not at all. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I think he's already played one game for them. Uh but I, I I haven't I haven't heard too much about him. It'll be it'll be interesting. And then the third one, which I'm so happy about. I thank I thank God. I mean Donny van der Beek mm. for a man new. Mm. I mean what a waste. Mm-hmm. I uh, ever and then I mean Oli Gunnar Show goes Oli didn't play him and everyone was angry at him about that. And then Ralph Ragnick came in and said he's gonna get game time, you know and they it just didn't play him as well uh, it's and now he's gone for a one year loan uh it's not a loan to buy it's just a simple one year loan you know he's twenty four now i think when he joined man twenty one twenty two i mean it's that's the time of like development time that he's completely missed out mm-hmm. uh the dutchman is a centre mid uh which they will that will consolidate the Everton team even more. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Everton, and they are they're not doing as well this season mm-hmm. as they should be. I think they're.
1: What, what do you reckon went <coughs> wrong for for Rafa there? I mean, he's got such great ped, pedigree as a manager, um, and, and you know, just a, just a stones throw away had such glory I, days at Anfield. I, I,
2: I, oh no, Benitez is an interesting one. He's he's uh, everyone to eat and at, like as you said at Liverpool. I mean, Steven Gerrard said. Wasn't his favourite manager, but technically the best manager he's ever played against. And coming from Steven Gerrard, that's very high appraisal. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it didn't work out. I really don't. When when he came in, they got Mm Hammers-Rodriguez. I was like, you know, Everton can do big things this season. and uh, You know, hasn't worked out.
1: Well, they need to do something, because currently, unbelievably, for an absolute stalwart of the Premier League, they are only uh, four points off the drop zone. So it's Everton in 16th, Norwich in 17th, then uh, the aforementioned Newcastle uh, in 18th. uh, uh, And from the bottom of the table, Burnley in 20th, uh, there is about a seven point difference Mm. to, to Everton in 16th. So it's all to play for down the bottom at the moment.
2: It is, it is. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah, here, uh, having we, a bit of attack of the cough. <laughs> should have brought some water. Should have brought some water. Well, well, we'll move on. We'll move on. We got we got a couple more teams to go through. Absolutely. Um, so Liverpool, and this is a very interesting signing, signing which, very exciting in football. Luis Diaz, who I hadn't I hadn't heard much about before. Uh, he's a Colombian left wing, played for Porto. I watched when I, I watched him in the Champions League, and I think he's scored against Man City or scored against someone but they've paid uh, he's 25 so he's not that young but he is a new a new talent that is coming through he's started he's coming to the scene quite late but it'll be exciting to see what they've done it's a 40.5 million pound fee So it's it's a lot of money to be spending on one footballer, but I think Liverpool do great things for him. I, you know, there's lots of competition. Uh, That left wing side, you know, they've got Mane, Jota, Mm -hmm. who are world class footballers, proved on the world stage. Mm -hmm. I I think the competition will do him good. I'll be, I'm very excited about him. I think I think he'll be another big name in world football.
1: Just on Liverpool, I mean, I don't want to kill all excitement for the Premier League at this stage, but do you think they can catch up, Manchester
2: City? Oh, I wish. No, no. there's no chance. Uh, uh, Man City are a different breed. So you heard it here first. Our, our
1: first footballing correspondent, Ben W., has just said that the Premier League is over by the end of January.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't, not quite. I, I, this is why I like Newcastle, because hopefully they're going to topple the champions and mix things up a bit. But, uh, I mean, what Pep does is magical. I mean, I do, the money, the manager... The talent they have it all. Oh, yeah. It's it's. There's no question about it. I mean, yeah. world football superpower.
1: World football superpower.
2: One more thing. Well, a couple, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so Brentford. So after you know tragic 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 events of Christian Eriksen, yeah, uh, cardiac arrest yeah. in June Euros. Yeah. Very sad. The Dane has made his return to the Premier League in the mm. form of South London team Brentford. Mm. Well, great choice, great choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, a 29 year old received life saving treatment on the pitch. Uh, he was subsequently fitted with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator, an ICD, which is basically a pacemaker where it detects like a, ri- a weird rhythm and it can reboot the heart from immediately. Um, but he wanted to return to Syria. Uh, he was playing for Inter Milan after moving there from Tottenham but the Italian Football Federation bans any player from having an ICD and they asked him to, they said, if you want to turn, you've got to remove it, which obviously he's not going to do. That would just be stupid. Um, so, you know, I, I hope, I, I think everyone does, that he can return to his excellent form that everyone, you know, that he had at Tottenham. Uh, I mean, when he left there in 2020, uh, to Milan, I think it was for like 85 million pounds, big signing. <coughs> and, He didn't do that well there at Inter. I mean, he wasn't getting the assists or goals Mm -hmm. that he was getting at Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Um, So, no, I think he is a Premier League footballer. Well,
1: absolutely. And more than that, he's a playmaker, which uh, for those mid-table Premier League teams like Brentford uh, are absolute gold. I mean, it's absolute gold dust, really. At Brighton, we have people like... Pascal Gross, uh, who who you know when he comes on, it just changes the game. Exactly.
2: Yeah. 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 Anyone that can spray passes like that is game changer. And that was a free transfer because he was without a club. Yeah. I, I the best. He's Brentford are so lucky that he chose them. So lucky because loads of teams wanted him. Um, going on to Tottenham now. Had a big, big. Uh, they've had a pretty good transfer window. Um, lots with Juventus. uh Ben Tanker, he's a Uruguayan midfielder, 24, who I think he joined from uh Uruguayan team in like 2017, and he's just got better and better at Juve, uh, working up the ranks. Uh, that's a 17, 17.5 million. Uh, that's replacing Ndombele, Tottenham's record signing. It didn't quite work out for him. No. Uh, I think he's a brilliant player. He's done some a couple of magic moments at Tottenham. Uh and so yeah and so he's and and Dombele went to Lyon to replace Bruno Guimaraes who went to Newcastle. Uh so we'll see if it works out for him in liga. And they also another deal from Juventus. Dejan Kulusevski, who's a Swede, a right wing. Uh he's 21 and that's a loan to buy option and they've agreed on a 9 million pound transfer uh clause but that can go up depending on his performance. <coughs> to an expected fee of around 25 million pounds. So a lot going on with Tottenham and Juventus there. And Aaron Ramsdale left Juve to Rangers in the Scottish Premier League, which he was a big name at Arsenal when he was a younger player. People were saying he was going to be world's best, you know, all that stuff. I think he had a couple injuries, didn't quite work out. Went to Italy, Juve. I don't think it hasn't been magical there either, but Scottish football is a different, completely different brand. Mm-hmm. I mean uh, hopefully work, things will work out from there. Last two teams Burnley obviously Chris Wood went uh to Newcastle. They don't have an out and out striker so they signed for Vercost uh the Dutchman center forward played for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga 12 million pounds. He's proven himself for Wolfsburg. Uh I, I he's a decent striker very similar to Chris Wood, you know. I, I, there's I don't think there's much difference between them. Uh, but you know that's thirteen million pound profit. I Sean don't...
1: Dyke needs a needs a big man up top with the way he
2: plays. Yeah, he does. He's do, a strong man, and uh, yeah, a, a big Dutch is definitely what they need. Uh, yeah. And then Man City, uh, last club,
1: uh, not definitely, definitely, not definitely least. not least.
2: I, they haven't been obviously summer. Jack Grealish had a massive, massive window. Um, they've only spent fourteen million on one player, Julian Alvarez. Uh, he's a twenty-two year old. Striker for, a, he's an Argent, Argentine. He uh, played for River Plate FC, which I think they basically dominate the Argentine league. Don't know much about Argentinian football though. Uh, yeah. Could be wrong there, could be wrong. Uh, it's a £40 million pound fee tweet uh don't
1: be sure to text in if you want to correct uh yeah, yeah
2: yeah i might be i might be very... any
1: bloopers on air can very much be to- corrected by text
2: I, I need to do my research into some argentinian football um and it, there's a couple of names that have left the prem which uh maitland niles has gone to roma from arsenal a bamiang free transfer to barcelona because uh, you know they really need some help <laughs> barcelona i i do feel quite sorry for them they've gone from being everyone knows them the world's best club like insane to their front three being people that you don't really even know. I mean, but so they've got, uh, they've got this, uh, transfer window, a Fer from Arsenal, Ferran Torres, uh, from Man City, who is going to be world class town. It already is. Uh, and Adama Traore from Wolves, the team I support, mm.
0: um,
2: Quite happy he's gone, to be totally honest. I liked him, but he's pretty useless. Um, Let's we'll see what he does at Barcelona. I mean, he came through their academy. Hopefully he'll get back into swing. I mean, yeah, he's gone. The super sub's gone. Um, uh, Anthony Martial left Manu. Obviously, everyone thought it was going to be Anthony Martial. You know that was going to be insane, but didn't quite work out on Man for him.
1: Well, they also thought Olay was at the wheel. Dot, dot, dot,
2: well, dot. yeah, yeah. Uh, he's gone to Sevilla. Good move, I'd say. Uh, Ahmad Diallo uh, to Rangers, mm-hmm. which I think oh, it's going to be a learning curve for him. I mean, he's a he, he's come through the Manu Academy. S- quite a small guy. I, he's uh, Scottish football is it's tough it's tough I, I mean people say if you can do it on a windy a rainy night in stoke try go do it on a snowy night in Aberdeen. I mean, first classic
1: sporting uh punditry cliche there uh, from ben
2: um at uh, brian gill left uh, tottenham to valencia really didn't work out for him uh, i think that's a loan to buy deal uh there's a fee in there i don't know quite what it is and LaCelso as well the argentine uh leaving tottenham to villarreal um so a lot a lot going to the uh, uh Spanish league. Um That's, yeah. It's been a busy one. It's been a very busy winter transfer window. Uh I mean mainly because of Newcastle, but and what
1: an excellent and comprehensive roundup of that, oh. that was uh, from, from Ben. I mean, um, some stunning research and knowledge gone into uh, a blow by blow account of all the best and worst uh, of transfer deadline date. So, uh, we're going to cut into a quick bit of Selena Gomez here. And when we get back, we are going to have Hugh F. talking about cricket and rugby. <laughs>
5: I was walking down the
2: street the other day, trying to distract myself, but then I see your face. Oh, wait, that's someone else, huh? trying to play a koi, trying to make
4: it disappear. But just like the Battle of Troy, there's nothing subtle here. Huh? In my room, there's a king sized space, bigger than it used to be. If you want, you can rent that place, call me and I'm an amenity. Huh? Even if it's in my dreams, I. Huh? And mm-hmm.
1: The back, you Bri Radio listeners. The time is 9.05 and this is the inaugural episode of uh, Talk Sports. No, it's not. It's Sports Talk. That's a classic blooper. <laughs> uh, we would love you to get in contact with any feedback from the show, any uh, abuse for Dr Pullen. Please do by texting us on double six triple seven, starting your message with Bri, or even for you really bold listeners, calling in on zero triple three triple We are here till D. Bedtime, pretty much there or thereabouts. Uh, and I have got uh, from my own boarding house here another Shaftsburian who I know for a fact is an absolute fanatic uh, of the two sports we're going to be talking about. Starting off uh, with the egg shaped one that's rugby, and it's back. It's the Six Nations Championship, the Woo-hoo. best. Uh, rugby competition in the world and there's a big big uh, kickoff weekend of fixtures i can see that wales are uh, going to the aviva stadium in ireland on saturday to kick it off at 2:15 uh this saturday the 5th of feb then we have on presumably a wet muddy cold murray field the calcutta cup with scotland hosting an injury ravaged ravaged england Followed by a bit of a <laughs> uh, what's the what's the phrase? A bit of a token token match. France versus Italy on the Sunday, but I'm sure that will all be uh, good lunchtime uh, viewing over in the Stade de France. Uh, and I have here Hugh F. to preview some of these games and the Six Nations Champions uh, Championship more broadly. Firstly, uh, Hugh, welcome to the show. Is this uh, your first appearance on radio before?
5: This is my Bry Radio debut, yes. This is
1: your Bry Radio debut. Well, we've had uh, your our second debut today with uh, uh, Miss Evans talking netball alongside the more seasoned veterans of producer uh, uh mr sharon and ben our football correspondent so kick us off you what are your do you want to start with uh, what you make of the first weekend fixtures wise
5: well i think the first weekend are some real classics coming up including the calcutta cup a resurgent scotland ready to take on a, as you said injury ravaged england many leaders not available for selection injured or just not picked by eddie jones against scotland Great defensive team led by Gregor Townsend. However, if they get into the set piece, there could be some real struggles for the Scottish.
1: So you reckon the Scottish set piece is slightly winker than their English counterparts do you?
5: Yes, but if Scotland manage to cope with that and release Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg out the back, then there will be some real fireworks.
1: So for those of you who are not as educated in rugby, those are the two uh, maverick playmaking backs of the Scottish. Finn Russell, famous for uh, the best and worst uh, worst uh, of number 10 play, and Stuart Hogg, their talismanic uh, 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 full-back. Um, are they starting 10 and 15 this time round, Hugh? Well, Stuart-
5: um, Finn Russell's the only 10 who have been selected in Gregor Townsend's squad, and you can't see past Stuart Hogg, captain... Scoring tries from everywhere, safe mm-hmm. under the high ball, British mm-hmm. and Irish Lion.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and what about? I'm surprised you didn't kick off with, with your beloved Wales uh, playing Ireland. What, what, what do you make of that fixture? Up first? It's
5: a tough gig for Wales going all the way to Dublin. Um, injury ravaged as well, losing many senior players. Dan Bigger, never captain before, but he's been named as captain. It's a real chance for youngsters to step up, such as Tame Basham and Christ Shinza, who made the debuts or returns in the autumn and have really looked to accelerate through
1: Mm -hmm. and so are these are these players who have been doing well in welsh domestic rugby recently
5: as well as you can get for welsh domestic rugby but on the irish side that isn't really a challenge many uh, leinster have been winning um trophies for fun recently and ulster have been putting up a real fight with james hume mike lowry uncapped coming into this tournament but they've been ripping up trees and combining them with leinster that's going to be insane
1: they've been ripping up trees that's a phrase we're going to have to hear more and more often i reckon on this show yeah you're right irish uh irish rugby has recently been dominating hasn't it I, leinster thrashed our local uh club bath a week or so ago um so, what about what about that third game of the weekend? France, Italy. Uh, the French, maybe people might tip for this championship. I don't know. What do you have to say about that?
5: France is almost certainly strong contenders. Strong pack, flashy backs, lots of Toulouse players linking up. Um, you've got Dupont and Tamac. You saw that they destroyed New Zealand uh, with their running game, and also with the Sean Edwards defence factor. You can't see teams running in many tries, especially Italy.
1: I mean those that is a classic sort of French flair half back combination Dupont and Untermach. what about Italy Hugh I mean uh, for many years now their sort of status as a six nation team has come under kind of continual threat I mean when I was your age I remember that sometimes they used to compete but since then in the particularly in the uh, you know from from 2010 onwards it's been almost a uh, uh, sort of downslide for them to now where they're really doing well if they get one win.
5: Yeah, I don't think they've won a match since 2015. However, this may not be the year, but in, certainly in the years to come, this could certainly be the case. They've got a great young back row of Lamaro, the captain, who's only 21-22, but also Negri Stein paledri. Mm-hmm. And then they've also got the wide men to be unleashed, organised by Paolo Garbisi, who's looked a real threat, including setting up a second-minute score last year against the English, which no-one will have seen coming.
1: And have you had a look at the fixture list more broadly? Have you have you had a look at which fixture list potentially favours uh, uh, which team? Because obviously with the Six Nations, it depends so heavily on uh, where you play home and away.
5: Well, I, um, England face both um, Ireland and Wales at home, which okay. would usually be an advantage despite this and not particularly strong Welsh team however the, the match to look out for last match of the championship at the Stade de France it could be the Grand Slam decider England versus France
1: well what a day that will be I mean it's it's one of the great days of world sport I reckon that final Saturday of Six Nations Rugby where you have all three games crammed into one long afternoon a sporting feast just on England Hugh uh you said, uh, well, we've both said that they're injury ravaged. There's been some slightly odd selection calls. What do you make of it all for them?
5: I, I, They've got a very, very young team. Maybe Ben Youngs will be the only person with over 50 caps in the back line. However, it's really exciting. exciting. You've got the likes of Marcus Smith, Radwan, Liner, mm-hmm. who can all, yeah, they've been scoring loads of tries mm-hmm. in the Premiership, looking mm-hmm. really sound defensively. Mm-hmm. But it could be where the leadership comes from as well in the pack with... Mm-hmm. Both cap- previous captains, Laws and Farrell, out injured. Mm-hmm. Someone has to step up, whether it's Maro Toge, Tom Curry or someone else.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's almost a blessing in disguise, isn't it? This injury, injury uh, list that Eddie Jones is facing that Marcus Smith it looks finally set to get that run uh, as first choice 10 that has seemingly uh, been long overdue. Uh, Hugh, before we move on to cricket, do you have any final words on, on the Six Nations? Any final tips for us or games to watch out for, or players to watch out for?
5: Um, Well, last year, the game, the uh, the final match, Scotland versus France, that was electric, tries everywhere. It stopped France from stealing the championship last minute, but that could be really good. It's the dark horses versus the tip favourites.
1: Oh, well, that, that, there you go. You heard it here first uh, from Hugh F. So much to look forward to with, you know, two months of uh, just Sporting Saturday uh, awesomeness, uh, to be honest. Uh, right, we're now going to talk uh, uh, about a sport that is particularly close to my heart uh, uh, with a theme tune in the background that is particularly close to my heart. This is cricket. And we're actually going to start off Uh, Funny enough, uh, with women's cricket, I reckon, uh, today, uh, because we are currently in the middle of uh, the women's ashes, and spoiler alert, our women are, thank God, doing somewhat better than our men, uh, who obviously had an abject uh, 4-0 defeat uh, uh, in Australia, uh, with very little to take home uh, in the way of positives. But, Hugh, I don't know how much you've been following this. It's been somewhat better for our women. I mean, helped by the rain a little bit, but capped off by a really, really strong uh, performance in uh, the flagship game, the Test match. Have you seen any of this or caught up on any of this?
5: Yeah, what an advert for women's Test cricket. So little Test matches have been played and only this was the only one meant to be scheduled for 2022, but now England and South Africa are in talks for potentially another one. But as, as I said, some great, um, great performances. Heather Knight scoring 150 as captain and Catherine Brunt, the veteran, picking up a brilliant fifer, as England managed to save a draw in the final hour despite looking on for a win.
1: Yeah, and I mean, yes, you doesn't undersell it there. Just to give you an idea of the the conclusion of this test match, basically, uh, f- on the first innings, Australia had uh, a lead of about 50 runs, thanks to Heather Knight, a uh, sort of phenomenal uh, uh, captain's innings of 160-odd not out. Then... Uh, uh, in the third innings, declared on 216 for seven, leaving England uh, approximately 50 overs to chase down uh, 257. And here's where England finished. They finished 245 for nine with something of a collapse uh, from uh, four for 218 uh, to 244 four for nine. So in fact, at one point, England looked set, perhaps, to chase down what would have undoubtedly been, I'm sure, a record chase Uh, for women's test match cricket i'm not going to bother checking that in wisdom i'm going to call it here on air um so uh hugh uh you said uh you talked about the advert for women's cricket are you more broadly a fan a fan of women's cricket and its place on the international sporting calendar
5: yeah it's it's really good cricket really high standard really great inspirations you look at some of the skills on show Mm. the ramps the drives Mm. the bowling it's It can be incredible and when you've got test matches with 80s, 90s, loads of wickets, the ebbs and flows, then how can you tell the difference between men's test cricket?
1: Yeah, well, one, one thing that has in the past been brought up is the fact that women's cricket, uh, in, particularly in test match cricket, tends to develop a little bit more slowly. Um, uh, and that's why we've had a bit of a glut in the past sort of 10, 15 years of 2020 and one day cricket. But this test match, I mean, they are scoring at three and a half and over. This is not a stodge fest. Uh, you've Heather Knight, to give you an example, got 168 of 294 balls in England's first innings. In the second innings, when England were gunning down this target, you had batsmen, oh sorry, batters, I should say, batting at basically uh, a run, a ball. And for an England team... Uh, 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 Looking at the names, this is a good result. I mean, Australia still have some of their stalwarts of the last decade. People like uh, the the great all rounder Elise Perry, Meg Lanning, who I don't know if you would agree with Hugh, is probably the sort of Steve Smith equivalent of the women's game.
5: Yeah, what an inspirational captain! She hit 80 in the match, a really aggressive declaration. Lots of discussions about whether it was too early, too late, but it was perfectly timed. England almost got the runs, it was just close enough to bait them into going for it, which eventually led for a collapse.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that that is proper Test cricket, isn't it? To—to to set up a declaration so fairly poised, and that is why we love Test match, Test match cricket. I mean, uh, evoking, I guess, that that game from the Men's Ashes, where uh, where we you know England almost escaped with a draw, where Jimmy and, and and Stuart Broad had to see off uh, see off a, a thrilling final over from Steve Smith. I mean, Hugh, the oh, the one thing I would say about this Women's Ashes format, I think it's great. I have to say, I do find the scoring quite quite difficult. Have you made head or tail of this?
5: Yeah, so in the white ball matches, a win will get you two points. Yeah. But in the test match, due to its longer, more skill, some would argue, more skillful ability, you get four points for a win and two points for a draw. Yeah, so just
1: for those of you who don't know, basically the Women's Ashes is a combined uh, format of... Uh, I'm not sure about the figures, a, a couple of 2020s, I think, uh, one uh, flagship test match and three one-dayers. So what are the? do you know what the current scores are, Hugh?
5: Yeah, so due to two of the 2020s being rained off, the score is currently 6-4 to um, the Australians, which means that um, England will need to win all three ODIs to claim the urn.
1: Okay, so we go into the one-day series with England needing to win all three in a row on Australian soil. That sounds like a tough ask, but we wish them the best of luck and can very happily say that they are already doing uh, more credit to themselves than their male counterparts. Moving on to those male counterparts, it's been white ball cricket recently. So for those of you not in the know, after the somewhat abject Ashes uh uh, series, England had to go pretty much straight away uh, into a 2020 series uh, against uh, against uh, the uh, West Indies, uh, which I believe they lost 3-2. Am I right, Hugh?
5: Yes, that is right. Um, West Indies won the match, the deciding match, um, but along the whole to- uh, tour, they've dominated. Uh, Rodman Powell scored a wonderful hundred and Jason Holder, he 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 got a fifer in a 2020 was extremely rare including four wickets and four balls okay
1: so and what would have been the key takeaways for that from england looking at the numbers it seems like our, our death bowling somewhat let us down on a few occasions
5: yes which is interesting given that has previously been a strength as long as our batting which you also haven't fired and it's many of the um white ball bowlers are um present on the tour given they didn't go to the ashes mm-hmm. they're missing jofra archer but still with the with the strength and depth of english cricket you'd expect better
1: well yeah and i mean there's another 2020 world cup this year right so uh, we need to get that in order because you know uh, the last two world cups uh, uh, finalist and then uh, semi-finalist is something we definitely need to sort out this england generation you'd expect uh, towards the back-end now of Owen Morgan's captaincy to come home with some sort of white ball trophy. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Hugh?
5: Yeah, given they've won the World Cup and the the amount of talent, the skills, the, the, how far batsmen can hit the ball, mm-hmm. such as Mowing Ali, Joss Butler, surely they should be able to win a 2020 World Cup.
1: Well, there you go. You heard it here first, and I think that's probably going to bring to an end our cricket section. A thank you, very a very big thank you to uh, uh, Hugh F there, and I think in general that brings an end broadly to our first uh, 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 our first uh, sports talk, uh, Bryanston uh, Bry Radio show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, just a quick uh, roundup of things to come on Saturday. As we said, a huge block fixture against Camford uh, for the netballers. Uh, some football here and there. Hockey are in action. Rowing are in action. More broadly in the world of sport, I guess the Premier League will be coming back uh, next week and that's about it i guess um so i look forward to seeing you for our next episode which will be in two weeks time uh on the uh tuesday the 15th of february i would love if there are any students listening to this to you if you've been inspired today to get in contact detailing what sports you'd be interested in talking about i want everything i want everything from rowing to frisbee uh to fencing do we do that at Bryanston? i hope we do to to fives to squash etc etc Get in contact with BGMP at uk, and we will get you on the show. Thank you very much, to my pundits. It's been a pleasure having you all. I'm Dr Pullen and I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time.